0: right, Bear Down Bears fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Bears Bander, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and we haven't even gotten to week one of the preseason, but wow, has it been an interesting camp so far for the Chicago Bears. Dan Meehan, at DanMeehan90, on Twitter, part of the Windy City Gridiron podcast network, will be joining me here in a little bit to go over everything whether it be the wide receiver injuries, whether it be Roquan Smith and his statement to Ian Rappaport, whether it be Tevin Jenkins, we'll, Justin Fields. We'll get into it all with Dan, but just want to start this off and get a few things off my chest. And let's start with the Roquan Smith deal, because this is interesting. Roquan Smith takes a bold step and sends a statement to Ian Rappaport saying he feels disrespected Says he feels the Bears are trying to take advantage of him and backload a deal. Now, when that came out, I sent out a tweet that I expected what the Bears had done here in their latest offer to Roquan was pad his deal with fake money. Ian Rapaport went on the score in Chicago and confirmed that to be the case. That's exactly what happened. I thought maybe they padded it with a fourth and a fifth year. Looks like they padded it with a fifth year. So again, this is how fans and kind of the media look at deals versus how players look at the deals. So what did the Bears do? The Bears probably offered Roquan Smith something around, in theory, what it should be. His contract, again, it doesn't matter if he is the best linebacker in the NFL. And I'm not talking about edges. I'm not, you know, We're not talking about the Khalil Max of the world and the T.J. Watts. I'm talking about Actual linebackers, guys that are not rushing the pass, they're dropping in the coverages, stopping the run, whether it be off ball, whether it be Mike, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Those are the linebackers I'm talking about. He is in a class with Leonard and Warner. Those are the top two paid. They both were paid a little less than 20 million a year. I think it was 18 and a half and, and 19 and a half, roughly million a year you know you can sit there and say i know some people say oh well leonard's better warner's better smith's not better than either of them that doesn't matter he's in their class and if you're in the class the way nfl contracts have worked over years it's very steady that the next guy up gets the highest paid money eddie jackson a few years ago wasn't necessarily the highest paid wasn't necessarily the best safety in the nfl but he got the most money at the safety position And then since then more guys have been paid and now he's what the fourth fifth sixth highest safety roquan smith same thing he's going to get paid at that and eventually other linebackers will surpass him that's basically how this works now the bears if they offered him that 20 million a year average what they did is they kept that number low the first three years which is basically the guaranteed money probably something like 16 16 17 something like that guaranteed him 50 51 million a year And then third year, jump it up to 19 or 20 million. Fourth year, bloated year at like $28 million. So it looks like he's getting potentially the largest linebacker contract in NFL history. But all he's doing is getting a bloated fifth year of money he's never going to see. So. The Bears could report or leak that we offered him five years, $101 million, and Roquan got bent out of shape. Roquan Smith's going to say, the Bears offered me a three-year, $50 million contract, and with bloated, unguaranteed money that bloated it up to $50 million. That's the kind of situation the Bears are in with Roquan Smith right now. And the, because the way these negotiations kind of work... They're pretty straightforward. And because they're pretty straightforward, someone like Roquan Smith feels he doesn't need a true agent, doesn't need to pay that 3%, can pocket it himself. Now, when you hit free agency, the the argument against that is you need to have an agent because the agent will earn you more than that 3% because he knows you know, where to get you built-in dollars, whether it be through attainable bonuses, whether that be through structure, whether that be through getting you some extra guaranteed dollars, whatever it might be, that's the benefit of having an agent. Roquan hasn't gone that route. So Roquan's doing this himself. So now the Bears are trying to sit there and say, well, maybe we can take advantage of the fact that he's negotiating for himself. And Roquan Smith was offended by that, runs to Ian Rappaport to say the Bears are a bunch of horses' asses. Tough situation to be in, It's early, plus the fact that there is the franchise tag after this year. Me, personally, I think Roquan Smith is here no matter what. I don't think they're going to trade him. Now, Ian Rapoport did say he thinks the Bears can get first-round pick plus for Roquan Smith. And if that's the case, if someone calls Ryan Poles today and says, we'll offer you a one and a three, something like that, Ryan Poles, I think, is going to take that deal. Um, now again, you can't trade away all your talent. I understand that Akeem Hicks is gone, Eddie Goldman has retired, um, you know Khalil Mack traded. I mean, there's the Allen Robinson gone. You can't let all your talent walk out the door. But at the same time, if they get that kind of deal, I think Ryan Poles absolutely pulls the trigger. But most likely, I think Roquan Smith is going to be here whether he gets new paper or not. But if the situation I would say, though, is if I'm Ryan Poles and I'm building for the future and I know I don't want to give my linebacker because it's a position a lot of GMs don't value, very similar to the offensive running back. Then in March, when you had a lot of value and you had two years of picks to play with, that's when Roquan Smith should have been traded. You know, if Roquan Smith ends up getting traded right now, or or if they try and trade, you know, his value is really only going to diminish. So I don't like how this was approached from from Ryan Poles, but again, it's way too early to panic. No one wants to see this getting negotiated in the media, but it's unavoidable and and, and that's where we are. So tough situation here. It's one of those where I can sit there and say, maybe Ryan Poles mishandled this again a little bit. Rookie GM, not necessarily the best negotiator, but, It's a situation where you can't keep letting talent walk out the door and think you're gonna be able to replace it all. So it's a tough situation for Ryan Poles to be in. I don't think Roquan Smith is going to hold out. I don't think Roquan Smith is going to get traded. I think he will be playing week one, but I don't know if it's gonna be with a new contract. Now the other thing that's been a big deal lately, Tevin Jenkins, it's amazing. How little information has come out on Tevin Jenkins. You know, David Kaplan, he came out with a theory, he had his report. No one's really been able to confirm that. Who knows if that's accurate or not? Tevin Jenkins' press conference was a bizarre, bizarre press conference. You know, you could just tell he was he was in a bad headspace, he was he was uncomfortable. The Bears haven't answered a question about that. It's Tevin Jenkins dealing with something mental health related? Has his back flared up a little bit and they don't wanna make that public because they're trying to trade him? Has he just fallen out of favor? What is going on with Tevin Jenkins? What I do know is since he has returned to practice here, and we haven't really seen Tevin Jenkins make much of an impact, whether that be because of his performance or whether it be because of how Getzee and the coaching staff feels about him, but he hasn't done much. He's running with the twos He's sometimes just not running with any any units at all. He has not been with the ones. So, you know, the thought I had at the start of training camp that Jenkins and Borum were going to be battling for the right side and Reef is going to be on the left side, that seems to be really inaccurate because they are giving Braxton Jones every opportunity to win the left tackle spot. You know, and that is a tall, tall order to ask a fifth-round rookie who wasn't exactly playing against the SEC teams either, that's, that's a tall order for him to make that jump. Let's hope he can do it. He's going to be, a, if that's the case, he is going to be critical to keeping Justin Fields upright and healthy this season. And, you know, you like Reef and Schofield on, you know, on the right side suddenly, you know, assuming it plays out, you got, you know, Patrick at center when he's healthy with Schofield and Reef. You're going to have a nice right side there and white hair at left guard. And then Jones is going to be the rookie who hopefully has a chance to develop. But, you know... You know, again, you're talking about day three rookies. These are guys who don't usually contribute in year one. So the fact that Braxton Jones appears to have the leg up on Larry Borum, I know they're not necessarily competing directly against each other because Jones has been on the left and Borum's largely been on the right. I know Borum's playing a little left this week as well. But you know, the way it's kind of looked to me is Riley Reef here is going to be the, the starting right tackle, and Braxton Jones is gonna be the starting left tackle. But I don't know if anyone other than Riley Reef is going to be the backup left tackle, meaning maybe Borum swings left to right or maybe Reef is technically the swing where if there's an injury to the left side or if Jones isn't performing well enough, you swing Reef over to the left and Larry Borum starts at right tackle. And again, Tevin Jenkins, who knows if he's even going to be on the roster or not, certainly is trending against that at this point. The Bears certainly don't seem that interested in involving them in their plans this season so offensive line still plenty of questions there really need to get to a preseason game so we can kind of see this team perform and see this offensive line perform and see where they're at and look at some of these rookies i know you know some of these rookies are going to be playing in the second half they're not necessarily playing against the best competition but at least you can get a feel for what these guys are it's really hard to get a feel from the offensive line just kind of seeing what's happening in practice here and and again the wide receivers the keel harry the injury here looks like he's going to miss all of preseason that means he'll probably make the roster by default because you know he'll get a chance to be activated here in the regular season we'll see if that's the case but you, you hate you know you hope that there was going to be something there for him on this roster now he's injured Pringle's injured Um, uh, you know they've had a couple other injuries to the wide receiver group and that's a group that just can't afford to have that level of injuries because Justin Fields Cannot afford to have that many injuries to this unit. This is a unit that's subpar as it is. And when you start having to rely on your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver six instead of your top end guys because of the injuries, they're not going to be open. And Justin Fields, you know, will have an opportunity then to struggle. And that's obviously not what any of us want to see. I mean, this season really is coming down again to what do the Bears have with Justin Fields? There is not going to be a lot else to watch. So, Plenty going on with this Bears team right now. We can't believe it's still, you know, basically the you know the end of one weekend of August, and we've had this much going on. Uh, you know, preseason game, Matt Nagy returning the soldier field here. That's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be a lot of booing, I'm sure, when Matt Nagy comes jogging out there. Tough to boo the entire Chiefs organization when Matt Nagy's just an assistant coach here, but the Bears fans. We'll make sure they figure out a way to heckle him. There's no doubt about that. But I'm excited for this Chiefs game, just really for the offensive line. Sure, do we want to see how everyone else performs? How does Gordon and Brisker do, assuming everyone plays? Absolutely. How does the the new scheme look? Absolutely. I'm really interested in this offensive line. I want to see that, you know, I'd, I'd love to see, our, can they block Chris Jones? Would love to see the kind of situation they're in and what they can do. So... Gonna get into all that with Danny Meehan, gonna get into plenty else as well. We're gonna do it right after this break. Bears banter, Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back.
1: It's only a kick. A
0: jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans.
1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
0: Adidas. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for this guest because you know what? He knows what he's talking about. I don't. He does. That's why we have him on. He is at Dan 90 on Twitter. You can hear him on the Windy City podcast channel. And he joins us now. Danny, Bill Zimmerman. How are you?
1: Oh, Bill, I am... Nothing if not making
0: it through the days, but there's no such thing as a bad day, right? So, um, well, that depends on if you're uh Ryan Poles or not, because he's had a bumpy (laughs) day, Roquan Smith. Uh, so let's just let's not bury the lead, let's just jump right into it. Roquan Smith, as we know, holding in. Decides to take the negotiations public and he is not happy. So he uses Ian Rappaport as his as his microphone, says the Bears aren't negotiating in good faith. He feels disrespected. Um, So it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of people who follow NFL negotiations, sit here and go these negotiations a lot of times are pretty straightforward when you're dealing with a player as a high level as Roquan Smith you know you don't have to argue if he's better than Fred Warner or Darius Leonard it doesn't matter What matters is, is he at that level? If he's at that level, then he's the next guy up. He beats the best contract. Leonard has the best contract. So you're looking at about five, 155 million guaranteed, give or take, you know, play with the numbers a little bit, but that's it. So you kind of feel like these numbers, these negotiations should be straightforward, but it doesn't look like this one has been at all.
1: No, it doesn't. And it's hard because I and I get where people are coming from when they say, well, he's not Darius Leonard, this, that, the other. He's not Fred Warner. He's only been on that one playoff team years ago when he was a rookie. Right. So that was his rookie season. So it's like he's an off ball linebacker in a league that doesn't really value him like that anymore. And it's like really outside of like Fred Warner. And Darius Leonard, or uh, what is he go, Shaq Leonard now, I believe is his, well, his true. actual That's right. name. Um, or C.J. Mosley, I know, got a nice chunk of change a few years ago from the Jets, uh, along with Miles Jack, amongst others like that. It's like you start looking at the track record, and I get what people don't want to pay, the off-ball linebacker. But he's saying he's 25. He's the same age as Fred Warner. I believe he's a few months younger than than, than Leonard he feels he's in that league which he's not wrong because he he's been an ap second team all pro i believe in the past two seasons so he initially committed to ucla which i know top recruits decommit and commit all the time but it was because ucla didn't want to give him something that he wanted when that's why he went to georgia and then he ended up When the bears drafted him he held out i believe it was almost a month holdout. i think 29 days is the actual number over helmet issues and use of the helmet when tackling when that was a rule they had just passed so we know he's not going to just give in on his demands on his side either
0: yeah and and kind of here here's where i am with this um with with kind of how this negotiation has has been handled and i threw out that number the 5 155 because that's just kind of i think where it needs to be just kind of based on looking at the position. Well, so if, you got
1: to factor in the percentage of cap going up. The cap is only going to keep going.
0: Right, right, and that's why I always say it doesn't matter if you're the best at the position. You don't sit there and say, "Well, Leonard's better, so he shouldn't get as much as Leonard." That's not how it works. He's the next guy up. He beats. He gets the top contract. And when it's the the next, you know, linebacker, you know, whoever that becomes, I'd have to look, you know, who's due in a year or two, then that's the person who's going to go after that. So it's, it's just how this works. And I get the linebacker position. And and as you mentioned, it's not one that's, it's not valued like corner. It's not valued like edge. It's not valued like a disruptive three tech. I, I I get all that. Uh, You know, it's in a way, it's kind of the running back of the defensive side of the ball. A lot of people think it's replaceable. Now Roquan's game does, set up well for the modern NFL with his coverage ability and all. But if you're Ryan Poles, you're coming in, you're assessing this, this, this team. And I get it. Your best player is Roquan Smith. You know, if you want to make an argument that the best player was Khalil Mack and he traded him away, you can't trade away everyone right when you show up. But if you knew that you weren't going to give Roquan Smith a hundred million dollars. And obviously we're not privy to the specifics of the negotiations. So we don't know exactly where the bears are willing to go. But if you're not willing to go there, then this is something that you should have dealt with in March when you probably could have gotten, you know, potentially a first round pick for Roquan Smith in this upcoming draft. There's a lot of things you could have done. Now you're going to be, if they do decide that they have to trade him, you're going to be in a little bit more of of a pinch because the other teams know you're in a, in a tough situation. It's like the same thing with Tevin Jenkins. We'll get to him in a little bit. Now I understand the bears, the bears can sit on him for a year. They've got the, they've got the uh, franchise tag they can play with. I I get all that, but I just feel like if you weren't willing to pay the linebacker, what it's due and you want to say it's inflated and, and, and bloated right now, I get that. But if you weren't willing to pay that, you should have approached this negotiation differently.
1: Well, and that's the other part of it that I was about to bring up that, how are you willing to go broach the subject of a contract with him knowing full well, he's self-represented or representative by himself. And that he, you know what he's probably wanting. You're not dealing with a drew Rosen house or whoever you might be dealing with to get to him of what he wants. You're dealing directly with robot. You knew what he was asking. For. And, and that's why it's negotiations. Now, obviously it, the same thing happened with darius leonard or sorry shaq leonard last year when they extended him he was asking for the moon to sun the stars in the universe and he came back to earth where they eventually settled on his new deal it sounds like based on what we know which obviously Rappaport is going to give you the player's side because clearly he got those screenshots from ropon himself but when he was on the a radio spot here in chicago earlier today he was saying that there were parts of it that were new milestones for the linebacker position and probably in terms of total value. But that was highly boosted in total value and AAV or, approximate, or annual average value by a bloated fifth year that they probably weren't ever going to bother seeing him for anyway, which is the sticky point. You get, it's not a baseball contract. It's not an NBA contract. This is football where unless you're a quarterback, you're never going to see a fully guaranteed deal.
0: Yeah. And that's, and, and yeah, that's exactly where I was going next with this. So I'm glad you went that direction. And, and that's, that's the key here. And that's, you know, Roquan mentioned it, the backloaded deal bad for the linebacker market. And what, you know, we can all say pretty confidently what he's saying is that the bears only offered him in terms of the guaranteed years. And let's assume the guaranteed years are about three years on a five-year deal. Again, we're just kind of making assumptions based on how other contracts go if that's the case. What they're probably doing is saying here is 48, 50 million guaranteed and an an average value of about 16 million a year. And then what we're going to do, you know, maybe in year four, we'll jump it up to 19. And then in year five, we're going to jump it up to 25, 26, 27 million to jump your AAV, up to 18 19 20 million maybe even tw- over 20 million so you can beat the leonard contract right the leonard is 599 or ninety eight.
1: Nine, nine, 98 i think was the number yeah all right so 590 i don't i don't have that pulled up right now but that's what i believe yeah so
0: let's say it's 598 so you're going to give Rogue one five and hundred one or something but that last year it's really more like a three-year million deal or, you know, even if they want to, you know, four year, 80 million, you know, not, you know, $75 million deal, whatever it might be. But what Roquan is saying is, no, I need a legitimate 20 million a year, most likely. Now, again, Roquan could be asking for 23, 24 million like Leonard did last year. And, you know, he may be willing to come down here eventually. But what the Bears did, I think, is they probably countered with Ropan with this new offer that they thought he was going to like because Brian Pohl's press conference, he was not, you could tell he was not happy with the situation. And Roquan Smith called BS. He sat there and said, this is a BS contract. And I'm guessing that's where he felt disrespected because as you said, he doesn't have an agent, he's self-represented. So they're like, well, we can make Roquan think he's gonna be getting all this money, but he's not. So it looks good on the outside, but in terms of the actual value of the deal, it was not a good deal for him.
1: the other part about this is I I know it's become some some things I've seen on Twitter, some things I've heard listening to the radio while on my own time at work today. Um, it, you, you get the sense that people think he should have hired an agent, and it's like if he really wanted new money, I harken back to you know you compared this to the to, to to the inside linebacker position to running backs on defense, running backs of the defense. This I think this is probably would have where where it would have gone anyway. He wants his paper. He doesn't want to keep running into things full speed without some sort of guarantee. It's the same thing Ezekiel Elliott did. I want to say with two years left of his rookie deal some years ago. Now you can use that as the, well, that's why clearly you don't do this, but there is a precedent for doing it. It's just that people I don't think like it because it feels worse when it's just him acting almost on his own. And if you really read it, there's no way he didn't get some help from like the NFL PA or somebody because he he even had like the wherewithal to pit ownership and the McCaskeys against his new management, which is clearly something that Polls was probably aggravated about when speaking to the media today.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure from from what I've heard that Roquan does have like a family friend lawyer kind of thing. That- oh, okay that like will deal with contract language and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not, not a representation. It's, you know, you're going to pay him for, you know, one service fee or whatever it is. But, but before we switch off real quick, I think there was something interesting and, and you brought up raps, uh, raps radio spot that he did earlier today in Chicago. And he mentioned a specific name. And I think that name's interesting. And I know sometimes a lot of fans don't care about pulling up the curtain this much. It's just Ryan Poles is the GM who's ever under him is under him. But this is interesting. And the name is Cliff Stein, who's been with this team a long time in the front office and in this with this new regime has moved back into this contract negotiating role that he hadn't been doing the last few years under under Ryan Pace. Now, I think what's interesting here is Clifton is been around a long time as an old school guy. And I don't know how he got back in this position. I don't know if this was Ryan Poles decision or if George McCaskey says, hey, Ryan, I'd like Cliff Stein to be the negotiator for these type of deals. But Rap mentioned him by name that Cliff Stein is (laughs) twice, that Cliff Stein is (laughs) effing this up, you know, those de escalators that I'm sure that was a Cliff Stein idea. And I'm just going to say we have heard rumblings, you know, not, you know, I'm not saying this has been public, but there's been a lot of rumblings about how things have been handled by Cliff Stein. And I don't know if the briskers deal was held up by it, but there's been a lot of kind of things going on with a lot of agents. It seems like Cliff Stein is rubbing them the wrong way in a hurry. And I have to wonder if this is something that is going to have to be changed, whether it's George or Ryan Bowles, this is going to have to be changed soon.
1: It, it, and it's fair to wonder because they let Lamar Campbell go for what feels like much less. Cause right when Dan Bernstein, I believe had the report on six seventy to score in Chicago, that, it was basically the handling of, like, stuff with uh, what the receiver, Moore, who, who had the, the run-in with the law while falling asleep in a Taco Bell drive-thru, I believe it was. Or it was Byron Pringle with his little incident earlier this offseason. And basically him not handling that and conveying the Bears' message to them. And it's like, well, you fired him for what feels like almost a little bit less than pissing off current – Players and players that weren't even under contract
0: yet and are supposed to be a part of your future. Yeah, it it it, it does. It's 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 a an interesting situation here. And look, I, Ryan Poles' first off season here has been an interesting one, no question about it. Uh, there's been some controversies. There's been some tough decisions. So let me ask you, as as we kind of transition away from Roquan, there's a lot of other things to get to. Mm-hmm. Ryan Poles. How do you feel, I don't want to sit here and nitpick on everything, but how do you feel his first off season has gone? Because, you know, to be fair to him, we know the dumpster fire that he inherited on in, in January. Where do you, how do how do you feel this has gone here the first eight months?
1: So I'm going to use like uh, as someone who's currently looking to buy a home in the new near future, this feels like when you finally find the home you like and you're like, here's my offer, the offer is accepted. So Ryan Poles is the proud owner of a new home. And the home inspector came by prior to signing the paperwork, and it's too late. The offer's good, and now it's like you find out all the problems wrong with the house. There's cracks in the foundation. There's this. There's that. There's the other, and I don't think he maybe even realized how bad it got. The problem is, I think he's now so dug in on some things that he can't get himself off of. And Bill, you and I talk a fair fair amount off off of you know the interwebs. It's, um, it almost feels like my favorite word to use would be whelmed because he, <laughs> I'm not underwhelmed by it because I knew this was a dirt fire going into it, and I'm not overwhelmed by it because he hasn't really done anything. And it feels like he almost hasn't had much of a backup plan to what was supposed to be his solution. The three technique was supposed to be um, Larry Ogunjobi, who is apparently dominating practices in camp in Pittsburgh now since signing his one-year prove deal with them. Ryan Bates was supposed to be your starting right guard. Now they've since pivoted on Riley Reef to compete or if not start at tackle and uh, Schofield a, the local from Orland Park to what looked like start at right guard as well. Like, So I get he's got solutions but it's like it, it almost doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It it almost is like he's it almost feels like he's in over his head to a certain extent and it's something we all kind of wondered about you know it, obviously him and him and Pace aren't of the same elk or same, or cut from the same cloth, other than they spent time with one organization. The difference was Pace was all under Mickey Loomis that entire time. Poles has been under different regimes. They just kept him in Kansas City, but it's fair to wonder, like, did they make, like, we knew there was gonna be growing pains, but is it possible that maybe they hired him a year too early? Or do we not know? Like, Give him time, obviously. I'm not saying one way or the other that he's doomed or he's gonna be great, but it certainly is a very whelming off, first offseason for him to say the least, especially when you factor in the biggest the biggest piece of this is Justin Fields. And he hasn't really done much, it feels like, or, see, or not feels like, but clearly shows that to help what's supposed to be the future of this
0: Chicago Bears franchise at the quarterback position. You know, we'll we'll have to absolutely get in the fields here in a, in a little bit, and that, and that's you know, look, I'm I'm not going to rehash everything. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I've lost it a couple times in the off season about some of this the, the, this approach from polls. Now, again, if I'm looking truly big picture, you know, a lot of this season was you know getting the cap squared away, you know, get, getting the right people in and 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 fitting the the flu scheme and and everything they wanted to do. So I understand this is just an, an adjustment year. But he polls is coming into a, a situation for 2023 where he's going to have, you know, one would assume a high draft pick in the first round, something he's going to be able to do some damage with, and a lot of money that he's going to be able to spend. A lot can happen here in the next, you know, seven months before we get to that point where it's free agent spending and getting ready for the next draft. And obviously, we've got a whole season to play before that. But I think what's happened here is with polls you know, for me, sometimes it's hard to even understand what his plan for 2022 was other than trying to set up certain things for 2023. And you kind of did this, all right, well, 2023 is going to be the make or break year because he's going to have all this money and better draft capital, and he'll have cleared out some of this, this, you know, this dead weight from the roster. But now it's kind of getting to the point here where I'm a little worried that 20 this team will not be ready to make a jump in 2023 no matter how many free agents and high draft picks they have again i'm not you know let's worry about 2022 but that's kind of the thing with ryan polls is we've really looked at this as a two-year you know startup for him because of how bad the situation was and i'm starting to have concerns about a second year you want to call me a pessimist that's fine but that's my issues with polls at this point
1: uh i i have a hard time disagreeing with you i actually as Completely off the walls it is. My dad asked. I my my dad you know was a huge Bears fan. He gives me a call. He goes, "What is he doing?" And he goes, hey, "Do you even think like it? Obviously, this is a completely ridiculous. Do you think they even polls even see the end of this first contract, let alone gets to his second one? Like it was like such a like myth. Like it left me myth because it's like this is so early. We're not even done with year one." but it shows you where some Bears fans are at already.
0: Yeah, and look, there's some Bears fans who polls can do no wrong. And look, I love the positivity. I, I want to come into it and just think, you know, you you want to, you know, you when you sit here and you suffer the last couple of years, as we did with Pace and Nagy when things went south and they just didn't know how to correct them, you know, you want to sit here and, you know, new regime, what's that? That's hope. So I get all that. And I think that's why a lot of Bears fans have been pissed at me all offseason because I've disagreed with so much. I vocalize it and, you know, social media has, has their way with me. That's fine. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, the whole thing, and again, so many of these issues that have popped up that aren't all necessarily polls his fault has made this, you know, an adventurous offseason. And like one of those things is, is Tevin Jenkins, who, I mean, it's amazing how much things can change in football because Tevin Jenkins was every day the story, every day the story, every day the story. And now he's barely practicing. He's not even the story anymore because of the wide receiver injuries and the Roquan Smith situation. But, you know, you know, We haven't had a chance to talk about it. The Tevin Jenkins situation is it's weird and it's so difficult. We've heard from cap and a couple other Chicago, local Chicago media guys who are trying to talk about why this has happened the way it's happened, but the bears refuse to give us any information. Tevin Jenkins has sent out like one tweet. He had his brief press conference where you could tell he was very uncomfortable talking about this whole thing. We don't know what's happened. Nobody that with any ability to get, information whether that be jeff hughes from the bears blog or brad biggs nobody has any idea what's going on here and you know we're seeing him practice a little bit with the twos i don't know if he's ever going to get up to the ones but i mean this is a second round pick and i understand at this point ryan Poles isn't worried about what the pay the, the the price that ryan Pace play paid, but as Bears fans, we're connected from year to year. I know Poles is just evaluating this as is and and moving forward, but this is a guy who Pace traded up for, was supposed to be the tackle, you know, finally this anchor tackle that the Bears, we've been dying for years for ryan pace to finally invest into the 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 offensive line he finally does a little bit and now it has gone the wrong direction in a hurry and this offensive line you know i know a lot of bears fans are hoping it'll be better than it looks but this offensive line comes in that's it's shaky at best and you were hoping for the best from tevin jenkins and with every passing day that seems less and less likely
1: yeah i mean the word that comes to mind when i think of the tevin jenkins thing is bizarre because there is no answers like is he hurt? No one knows. They're oh, he's dealing with something. Well, what is something? Like I don't know. Like it, could it be that Chris Morgan, the new offensive line coach, just simply doesn't think he's a fit for this outside zone scheme that they're allegedly going to be running with Luke Getzi at the helm? C- could be. Like I, I don't know. And we seemingly, like I said, there isn't a clear cut answer to anything. And like, and I did go back and watch that press conference with Tevin when he spoke to the media. And he was so clearly just in an odds. He was like in an odd spot. You could tell by his body language, how he was like kind of even avoiding eye contact with the reports. So it's like, he wanted nothing to do with being out there. He just knew that he was kind of propped up out there. Cause he had to go and answer questions. Now, Tevin Jenkins is just weird because he was so fond about by the Bears fan base and how they got him and the pedigree and how interactive he was with fans and stuff on social media. But it's like, at a certain point, it feels like he's either going to be traded or just buried on the depth chart because it doesn't feel like they even
0: have a wanting to have him here. I, I, I'm with you. I, it's it's really hard to kind of figure this out because like you say here, go Tevin Jenkins wasn't traded early. Now we're in this situation, I mean, I've seen some Bears fans on Twitter talking about if you don't get a second round pick, it's not worth trading. I mean, second round picks out the window, third round picks out the window. If they got a fourth, conditional fourth, it'd be a miracle. I think you're looking at like a fifth round pick level for him at this point. And, you know, if like you said, if they don't find that trade partner and they don't have an interest in him and he just sits as the backup right tackle for the year, you won't even be able to, a conditional seventh is, is where he's going to be. I was
1: about to say, Bill, you know what you're kind of looking at? You're probably looking at like a swap of another busted second round pick. I think like from the Rams, like 2, two Atwell. It's just like a, a flop or a flip flop. Yeah, like I was you talking know. to
0: people and I said, would you trade Tevin Jenkins for Denzel Mims? Like, that's the kind of thing you're you're looking at there with, <laughs> with, with these these you know busts in essence and I hate to call Tevin Jenkins a bust at the point where the man's barely played any NFL football at this point, but the Bears just don't seem to have any interest with them. And you talked about it and I to me and, and you know as as a media person, maybe I look at these things too much, but just the way they put Tevin Jenkins out there for the press conference with poles or 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 Eberflus not, talking first and kind of setting up and we're happy that Tevin's back at practice and taking some of those initial blows from the media and just kind of letting Tevin out there and and let him deal with it. It it, it felt a lot like when Tim Tebow was moved to the Jets. And I don't know if a lot of people remember this. I, I was in New York at the time. When Tim Tebow went to the Jets, they just put him out there for a press conference. Nobody went out there with him, not the GM, not the coach. And he just sat out there for like 35 minutes while the media just hit him with questions after question. And they just let him out to, to rot. And I feel like that's what happened with Tevin Jenkins. I understand it was only seven or eight minutes, but it was just it was just an odd way that they they handled it's Almost it. like
1: It's almost like they made him a martyr. Like, they, <laughs> you're dying for this purpose now. So go
0: ahead and go take these arrows, kid. Go ahead yeah. and run. It really was. And and that kind of leads you to this offensive lines performance. And look, we haven't even the preseason game. We haven't seen this team work together. You know, if you haven't been able to to go to training camp a few times and sit there and watch the offensive line play, you're looking at a few, you know, Twitter video clips and and what people are tweeting about. And people aren't going to sit there too much and tweet about the offensive line other than it looks like, you know, so-and-so would have had a sack if they were going full contact or whatever. But so, you know, the way this is setting up right now, I mean, Braxton Jones, this is his job to lose at left tackle. It certainly looks at, at this point. Riley Reef, they've already moved over to the right side of the ball. Fifth round pick left tackle. That's, you know, you, as a rookie, southern, that's going to be interesting. Southern Utah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a big jump, and that's a big ask for for Braxton Jones. And again, we we don't have a, a, enough information to go on at this point. Clearly, they have to be happy with with what they've seen, but at the same time, like you sit there and go, you see a, a video that someone sent out. Uh, oh, Braxton Jones is ready for for week one, and it's because he didn't let Sam Kamara, you know, on a one on one drill get to the quarterback. And then you see a tweet five minutes later from a beat report. I think it was Zach Pearson who's like. Robert Quinn just went around Braxton Jones like he was in concrete, in concrete. Like, so, you know, you have to take this with a grain of salt. We got to see what happens here when they play the chiefs, but this offensive line, you know, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen here the next three weeks and what they decide to go with week one.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's tough. And then just kind of looking into it, I was not just scrolling through the Twitter app, kind of going through the bears updates, Uh, A Madden created player named Sean Coleman was running with the twos over Tevin Jenkins today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) Yeah, it's look. And here's the other thing. And I actually was was talking to someone to try and get uh, an update on him. You know, when Poles took all those day three rookies. The one name that a lot of people, not just like Bears fans or whatever, but like national analysts, the name that people said, this is a really high value pick was Zach Thomas. Now, look, I don't know what's going on. And again, it's it's, it's early August. There's plenty of time. It's not like people thought he was going to necessarily be, you know, starting day one. But Zach Thomas is with the threes. He's not with the twos. He's with the threes, so so Zach Thomas has is is not being is Pick Simmons is outperforming Zach Thomas right now. So, and you know, the kid from a uh, oh the, the the HBCU Jatir Carter from Southern yeah. University, yeah, Carter's he's with the
1: twos. With the, he's for the twos,
0: yeah. And you know, and we know, you know, Doug Kramer is with the twos. He's kind of with the threes by default because you know Mustafers in front of him and Patrick's hurt, but you know they really really need white hair to have a solid year, Patrick to be healthy and Schofield and reef to be pretty good players here because, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is a lot of these rookies, you know, we don't know what's going on with Devin Jenkins, you know, Thomas is with the threes Kramer. You know, if you watch his tape from the college, it's definitely needs a year or two before he might be able to develop a new contributor. I, I, the depth is definitely better than it was last year, but this offensive line is, Coming in, this is a a scary crew when you have a franchise QB potentially in his second year that tends to hold on to the ball too long.
1: Yeah, it's not great. And it's one of those things like I, I feel like sometimes I was off in my own world when I was like everyone else like, just go get Fields weapons and everything's going to be okay. Look at Joe Burrow. And it's like, yeah, Joe Burrow operates differently at that position than, than Fields. Fields needs to be protected. Like he, I think he's someone who would be better served. Like, hey, pre- big build up his fatties up front to protect him versus go invest a ton into guys like T. Higgins and Jamar Like, obviously, you, you want the best of both worlds, but just given what we've learned, uh, I believe it was Jonathan Wood did a whole you know study on Fields this off and that and it even bore that out with the metrics that showed when you gave him more more time, he was better at playing quarterback. It, but it just doesn't make you feel good, and then you like hear like the Doug Kramer thing you brought up. Like Doug Kramer's a, a cool story. He's from Hinsdale. He went to U of I. If you go and honestly evaluate his U of I tape, he is consistently just on his butt at different points of the game. Just on his butt, there he is.
0: Like why why is he on the ground? I don't know. <laughs> what happened, Doug? It's something else, and, and it, it like you, you brought up Joe Burrow, and, and yeah, did Joe Burrow it, it get his team to the Super Bowl last year? And it was a great story, absolutely. How was Joe Burrow's rookie year in like November, late November and December? How did he play? Because if I recall, not at all, because he was out for the year because of the offensive line. So let's well, let's, use
1: let's even go back to the beginning of the year where the Bears put a pounding on Burrow. He yeah, threw and three look, interceptions on three straight plays.
0: Yeah, that was that was, and that's <laughs> the only reason they won that game. But yeah, that's absolutely right. So that's like I, I get it. You, the last thing the Bears want is Justin Fields to rip up his knee because Justin Fields is, you know, J- Joe Burrow doesn't have the ability to do what Justin Fields does in the backfield. So let's let's not compare the two, but you know, there, there's a lot to to do here for Fields, and and the wide receivers look. I know a lot of people wanted to sit here and be like, oh, the Pringles a smart signing and Brown knows this system. So he's gonna be better than people think. And, you know, I made it very clear. I didn't love the way the weapons were approached this, this off season. I didn't want the bears to punt money into the future, but I think they could have done a better job approaching this group. I know we all love Darnell Mooney. But beyond that, there wasn't a lot there. The Harry move happened. Let's be honest, because I think at that point, same with with Schofield and, 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 and Reef, holes kind of sat there right before training camp and went, you yeah, we got we got some holes. So but oh, no. now the Harry dies at these positions are bad. OK, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're sitting here. No, Harry. We got Pringles injured. Now you're sitting here going. Dave David Moore got carted off today. Yeah, Moore got carted off. I don't know if Moore was going to make the team, but you're you're mm-hmm. suddenly looking at a wide receiver group that's dwindling in a hurry. And look, yeah, is it better to have the injuries in August so they're healthy come regular season? Sure. But high ankle sprains, which it looks like Harry has, those are pains in the asses. And, you know, I know he should be back in, you know, four, six weeks, whatever it might be, but those are ones we've seen it before. I mean, Eddie Goldman, I know he's a big guy. It was different. Remember, he got a high ankle sprain and he just was basically wrecked for the rest of the year because it just, he just never could get the right weight on it again. So you you hate to see the injuries like this, especially in a group that's critical that needs to get open so Justin Fields can develop. And now you're sitting there instead of relying on a bad group's wide receiver two, wide receiver three, now you're looking at a bad group's wide receiver four, wide receiver five. And that's, you know, you're seeing some of the tweets about who Fields is throwing to right now. And it, it, it makes you, yeah. makes you yeah, shudder. One,
1: one time the three, the three starters were like Equinemius, St. Brown, Isaiah, Coulter, and it wasn't even Mooney. Cause Mooney was out of sight. Oh, it was Webster in Simba West uh, Webster. That was it. It was like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know what, though, that as we're on the topic of wide receivers, it does make for fun for like people like myself and EJ Snyder, who also does a podcast on this Windy City Gridiron Network. It makes you find your love for like the old UDFA guys or former like middle or high round picks who are now going to be getting churned at the bottom of this wide receiver group. Like, I was inordinately excited for Dante Pettis because I loved him coming out of Washington. I don't know if he makes the team. I
0: know he's out there, but it's fun. Odds are better to make the team now than they were about a week ago. <laughs> 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 Woo. Let's talk about fields for a minute here because obviously we're talking about everyone around fields. It's tough not to talk about the franchise. And, you know, let's let's not worry about everything that was done in the offseason. We've talked about it a little bit. Let's focus on fields this season and, and what it looks at this year. Now, look, we're going off Twitter highlights. We're going off what we're, we're hearing and seeing, uh, you know, on social media and, and and through the Bears website and everything. We're at a point where, you know, when someone tells me that Fields made a great throw, I love it. I want to hear it. But I expect it. Like, I know the top-end talent that Fields has and the plays that he is going to make. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields could be one of the bottom five quarterbacks in the NFL. He's still going to turn your head with amazing plays because that's who he is as an athlete. What I want to hear is that the offense, and look, I understand Justin Fields is not a miracle worker, especially a second-year QB in a new system who's, you know, let's not forget this is his third offensive system now in three years went to Ohio State, to Nagy, and now to Getzee. So it's a lot for someone to take on. So I understand he's not a miracle worker, but at the same time, I want to hear Fields was five for six on that drive for 60 yards and a touchdown. The offense moved consistently, and I understand that means the defense isn't playing as well, but I need to see more consistency from Fields, and based on the reports I've seen The splash plays are there, and there's plenty of them, but the consistency from play to play still hasn't gotten there. So I'm with
1: you, and I think the frustrating part is a lot of times the highlights you're seeing, they're not even during team. It's during one-on-one drills, which I'm not sure how many of the listeners out here have coached or played or whatever, at what level it might have been. I'll let you all in on a secret. In one-on-ones, receivers are supposed to destroy defensive backs it's what it's designed to do. It's designed to almost become a layup for the quarterback and almost get their confidence up. Now, obviously there's reps, the DBs are going to win. It's the nature of practice, but so many of them I'm seeing, it's like, Oh yeah, great. Equinemius got deep on, you know, whoever. And it was because he, there was no one over top. There was no help. It's like, and then when you all of a sudden get to the team stuff, it's like, you see like people like Adam Ho or Johns or whatever saying like, yeah, no one was open. <laughs> like, Oh, you know, because they had to, you know, go against fronts and real coverages and things of that nature. And I'm not trying to downplay the one-on-ones to like not get people excited, but it's like, you have to put it in perspective is what I'm, what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and look, and, and I think that's fair. And, you know, when you're talking about new schemes, defense is always going to be ahead of an offense. We, we, we've we heard it all all the, all the time. There's a lot more complexities to it. And like I said, August 9th, no one's panicking. No one's sitting here going, we're doomed. Justin Fields sucks. That's not anything because – Oh, we there's know, some, I'm there's, sure there's some out there. <laughs> oh, well, there were some out there the day he was picked. Your Ohio State QBs <laughs> never make it in the NFL. Okay. Yes. Because, you know, Mike Tomczak failed in the eighties. We should be concerned about Justin Fields. It's, Are you, know, you telling
1: me Arch Lister does not have any bearing on Justin <laughs>
0: Fields? Maybe just maybe perhaps that, that those two shouldn't be compared, but like there's, there's plenty of time to get this together. We know what gets, going to try and do, he's going to try and take the pressure off fields, a lot of play action, a lot of running the football and, and, and everything. But at the same time, This season, and this is what I've been stressing this whole offseason, this season is so important for Justin Fields and for the Bears because this situation is, you know, and this is like, I'll bring up the Arizona Cardinals, right? The Arizona Cardinals go in, they go get Josh Rosen. After a year, they stunk. Now they have the number one pick in the draft. Kyler Murray. Do they? And and I sat there and said, "There's no way they're going to abandon Josh Rosen after a year and go take Kyler Murray." I, I sat there and I I'm dead wrong, because they sat there and said, you know, they 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 looked at their year of tape with Josh Rosen and said, most likely this ain't going to be it, and they moved on and and grabbed Kyler Murray. If the Bears are bad, and I understand Bears fans, we don't even haven't seen this team play. You can't just assume they're going to go five and twelve. But if they are bad. And Justin Fields struggles some this year, and it's tough to tell whether those struggles are because nobody is open or he is running for his life. All these things that could happen with this poor offense around him. If you still don't know after this year if Fields is the guy and you're sitting there with the fourth, fifth, sixth pick of the draft and you don't know if your move needs to be to go up to number two, to go get Young or Stroud or to sit there, whoever the third Q- QB might be that, you know, you know, comes into, we don't know who that's going to be necessarily, you know, five months from now, six months from now, if you don't know if you're should be going after a wide receiver to, to get for, for fields. If you don't know, even if you want to get like a great edge or three tech, we know some of the great defensive players that should be at the top of the draft. You don't know if you need to be taking a quarterback, a defensive player, whoever it might be, That's the worst situation to be in, because if you don't know and you commit to Fields and you lost an opportunity to get a huge QB, Poles is going to be fired. Like that decision will get him fired. That's not to rip him, but that's you miss on a QB. Ryan Pace got to stick around for a couple of years after a QB miss because George McCaskey (laughs) liked him. That usually doesn't happen. And also, let's
1: be clear here. The reason Justin Fields is in Chicago was them trying to reset their clock. It wasn't because they, not, it wasn't because like, oh, we can't not get Justin Fields. It was more like, holy crap, Justin Fields fell. We need to go get him because he might save our jobs by virtue of the fact that our clocks will reset in some capacity.
0: Right. So you're sitting here after this year. If you don't know if Fields is the guy or not, that's the type of decision that can get polls fired. So they need to know. And I have major concerns. You can talk about Getze and all this. You know, I understand the the faults that Matt Nagy had. There were pr- plenty of problems with his offense and his play calling, his red zone. I, I, I get all that. But you can't sit here and pretend that if Matt Nagy wasn't the coach of the Bears and it was, you know, beaver flu's last year that they would have gone 11-6. and six. Like, it's not that much of Matt Nagy. So to sit here and just assume that a better offensive scheme is going to make Justin Fields magical and then they can go buy their offense next year to put around him with all their free agent money. I think that's a little bit of fool's gold.
1: Yeah. God, the way you're describing it, Bill, it's just like I have this soundbite in my head of when John Fox was the head coach here and he literally just goes, they asked him what's going on. He goes, well, it's all a problem. And it's like, I'm just (laughs) hearing John Fox in my brain go, no, it's all a problem. It's all a problem. Like, oh, God.
0: All right. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you too much longer. We've been chatting a while, but but, but, a couple more before we wrap up, let's finish with the offense. Let's finish with, uh, you know, you talked about the great story that is Doug Kramer as the local guy. Let's talk about Cole Komet, the other great local guy, plus, you know, the golden dome, everything that Cole Komet has for, for, for bears fans. I will say this from what I've seen coming out of camp and it is just camp. The person who has been performing the best at a most consistent level, to me, appears to be Cole Komet. I would agree with you.
1: And I am, if you follow me on Twitter, if you've heard me on my podcasts or, or doing spots, I am not a Cole Komet guy. I thought he was the the virtue of being a really tall, short person at his position when the year he came out of Notre Dame. Just he's a really Average-ish tight end and a really crappy glass of tight ends. Now, that being said, I never want a Chicago Bear player to be bad. I want Cole Komet to be very good. The The sample we have of him is not good at all. In fact, it's quite bad for where he was taken and what this, that, the other. And I get draft position doesn't matter at a certain point when they do this, but he has to be good especially if you want to see fields develop with the lack of weapons at the receiving position outside of Darnell Mooney. So I would agree with you, Bill. I think the the, the, the highlights you see, the consistent tweets about commit you see where he's seemingly always making tough grabs using that big body of his to be able to box out, snag a pass, even run by some guys like, but that's something we've known about Cole, that he is fast in a straight line. It's the whole thing when he has to flip his hips and turn one way that he kind of tends to have to gear down way too much and he has trouble getting back up to speed but i I think it's a positive sign and the one thing cole has always had in his corner is that he was never a full-time football player until he became a pro he was a baseball player too so he was never able to fully commit to playing tight
0: end and and the one other thing i'll say and i've said this a few times on this podcast or on twitter tight end and i think a lot of fans know this is the most difficult position Mm -hmm. really to pick up as a rookie you know it's very rarely that a tight end is going to come in 800 yards eight touchdowns and block incredibly It they usually take a couple years so you got to give that keep that in mind but you also have to keep this in mind cole Komet was drafted in the heart of the pandemic He had no OTAs. He had no preseason games. His first offseason sucked and it wasn't his fault. But he basically had a few practices and they were weird because they had all the, the COVID restrictions and the guidelines and separating everyone. And so going into week one of his rookie season, wherever he was, he was much further behind than rookies usually are at that point mm-hmm. so then he has his rookie year and his second year and i understand you have to speed up the learning curve but i do think it's fair to say you know now now you're three. now you're at a point where there's no excuses and you really need him to step up now is he gonna i think he's gonna if he stays healthy he's gonna have solid stats is he gonna have solid stats because he's become a, a key guy for fields to throw to or is he gonna have solid stats because of the volume of targets he's going to see because because Mo- he was the number two in targets last year. There's really no reason to think that's going to change this year. So is that the reason he's good? I still think Cole Komet ceiling is an average tight end, which is okay. That, I mean, that means you're a contributor. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get a second contract. I don't know if I'm going to ever see him as a top six, seven, eight tight end in the league. I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to show that he's a top 10 Nothing tight end this that. year. Um, but again, we've got a long way to go with him. Love to see what kind of he does in the preseason here. See if he spark, if, if he flashes a little bit and build some confidence going into the, into the regular season. Cause I think Cole Komet's one of those guys where a lot of bears fans are on complete opposite ends here. And that's the one guy I think that the Cole Komet supporters probably have the best chance to tell the the guys that doubted him, you know, I told you so. And I think pretty much every Doubting Bears fan or Bears analyst on Cole Komet mm-hmm. would love to be proven wrong. Absolutely. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, a little tougher to get into it too much because, you know, you know it's tough to sit there and know if a defensive lineman is dominating and, and, you know, you're not focused on the running game as much right now, especially in practices and whatnot. Roquan's not even on the field, so, you know, we don't really even care what Adams looks like at linebacker because he's going to barely be on the field, assuming Roquan does eventually <laughs> sign. But let's talk about the secondary because I think that's, that's a, a fair conversation to have, whether it's how they're looking one-on-one drills or a little bit in team. Secondary to me looking very inconsistent, and that's not a complaint. I'm okay with that. You've got two rookies out there, Brisker and Gordon, who in all from all views appear to be making plays early in camp. You love to see it. Also getting beaten in, in camp, expected. They're rookies. No problem there at all. Mm-hmm. But the other guy who I've seen a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and I was hoping to see less of that, is Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson
1: has got to be making Matt Eberflus pull what's remaining of his hair out. Because <laughs> it, it, this defense, you know, I, I think I've said it at nauseam on different shows and on the timeline. There, there's a reason why so many Bears fans like the Eberflus higher. It's, it's a feeling of comfort, right? We, we, we understand it. We recognize it due to Lovey Smith and Rod Marinelli and those guys being here for so long. But the reason the cover two defense and, or this rendition of it has lasted for so long is because it's about assignments and being able to do your job. And I just heard Tom Thibodeau in my head. Um, <laughs> um, but there's a level of consistency that it has to be done with. And if there's one thing Eddie has not been since that breakout year that earned him the big money contract, it's consistent, whether it be his tackling or his, his interceptions and forced fumbles are lack thereof, and I get he's had some call back taken away from him this, that, and the other, but at a certain point, the the anomaly was the 2018 season. It wasn't what we're seeing now. Maybe he is just an inconsistent ball hawking safety, which is fine, but it it's got to be infuriating because you see the cap number, you see what he really could mean to this team, and I I for one thought that someone like Eberflus who would put him in that you know too high role and let him be able to not be in single high so much or go back to kind of what he was doing under not under Pagano but under um, Fangio Fangio and having a second partner up there to kind of split the field with him would, would make his life a little bit easier but so far and I, I get it's early on in this system and early on under, under this coaching staff it doesn't seem like much as much if anything has changed like and it's like
0: like you said it's got to be frustrating yeah and and look um like i said gordon and brisker i you know it's early they've made some nice plays that's great that's that's all they need to be at this point we'll see how the preseason develops you still expect both of them to be starting week 1 against san francisco and eddie and obviously eddie assuming healthy eddie Jackson is going to be out there as well but i mean the the bottom line here is if if Brisker can be the Amos type and really free up Eddie to do what he does best, which Clinton Dix and Gibson and, and, and these other safeties they've rolled out there really haven't been able to do that, where Eddie can excel. I mean, Eddie's at a point where you know, and if they decide to part, you know, ways after this year, it's going to be still be a pretty hefty cap. They can you know hit their they can eat it because of the amount of money they have. But I don't realize if Bears fans quite realize, and again, yeah, I could be wrong, but I think Eddie Jackson is playing for his job for 2023. I don't think he has anything guaranteed be beyond this year. I agree with you.
1: The term that I actually used for him earlier this offseason was, this is put up or shut up time for him. Because all we hear about is how he, you know, he had the quote a couple of years ago, like, oh, you don't pay me to get to make tackles, this, that, the other. Like, you know, it, you're a safety, dude. That's part of your job. You're a defensive player, especially in this defense when the like the way the cover two works. It's about what's up the middle and where everything gets filtered and flows to. So it's three tech, it's will, it's nickel, it's safety. Those are your like your in order like what's what what's matter what's meaningful in this defense and what they truly need. It's why Kyler Gordon was selected so high. He's not probably like I don't think he's playing outside. Not in right away, at least I think they're seeing him inside. So
0: he's, he's been named he's Eddie. been named nickel a lot in practice, absolutely. So I
1: I I really think that you are correct on your stance on on Eddie that he needs to prove that he's worth this money, or they might just eat it. They they've proven a willingness into the rebuild to eat the money. They traded Khalil Mack and. They're dead caps up over, what, 50 million?
0: Yeah, up over 50 million. And, and that's the thing with, with Eddie Jackson. You want to sit there and have the quote that I'm not paid to make tackles? okay, fine. If you're not paid to make tackles, that means you're paid to turn the ball over, make plays, and score touchdowns. And you haven't done that. I don't care if they've been called back or not. There's most of those that you can sit there and say they were close, but most of the time, if you looked at it truly objectively, you're like, yeah, you probably got there a little early. So you can sit there all you want and say, I'm not paid to make tackles. Well, you're not doing the things that you were paid to do. So you know, you got to. it's put up or shut up time for Eddie Jackson. And I do agree with you. I do think there's a good chance when they are a nickel and we know nickel is the new base that Gordon's going to be, you know, going to bump inside a lot. Um, but then that question remains, then who is outside opposite Jalen Johnson? And that prospect still scares me. Uh, Kindle Vildor. No, friend. don't, don't speak that into existence. No, <laughs> we'll never go on this podcast again. If you speak that into existence. <laughs>
1: What you're not a fan of, Kindle or Duke Shelley going out there being the sawed-off little bastard that he
0: is? (laughs) No, I I am not. I am not going to support that. I understand he's probably probably going to be on this roster. You know, they just don't have enough at this point to replace him. But I mean, let's let's just say what it is. And I understand what passer rating is. Kindle Vildor's career passer rating against is 135. it's 135 no quarterback has a season passer rating of 135 he's done that in two years i mean come on
1: <laughs> oh, god, just, it's it's oh. oh god i'm laughing Oh God. all right well that, that not... being said uh, with with the prospect of brisker i actually think that both of their second round picks which much to this may have many, including yourself bill but The argument is very much there that they truly did go best player available in the second round of each of those picks. Like,
0: hey, look, and if those are the best players on polls draft board, then I'll just say Ryan Poles didn't have the best draft board. Now, again, I like Gordon and Brisker, (laughs) but George Pickens is making me sound pretty smart right now based on what he's done in in camp with the Steelers. True. But, uh, but again, we'll see. Like I said, don't hate the players, just hate the process. But, Uh, before we get out of here, we do have an old friend alert. The Dolphins have
1: acquired a 2023 sixth-round pick for the Texans in exchange for Adam Shaheen.
0: Oh, Adam Shaheen. How about that? Oh, baby Gronk. Now it's his, he Let, gets his big opportunity. So, I,
1: I have to ask your question just because of all the news and stuff revolving around the two specific, specific players we talked about to, at the top. Gut feeling on both Roquan
0: and Tevin. Are are either of them in a bear uniform is one of them or are neither of them. Roquan Smith will be in a bears uniform. I think Roquan Smith, even if he does not get his contract extension this month, will be in a bears uniform. Eventually he's going to play. He is not in a position where he can hold out. You know, he's going to get, I don't know what his fifth year option is. I think it's about eight, 9 million. You're, you cannot walk away from eight or 9 million. If you're Roquan Smith, you just can't do it. Look, this is the, D. Smith, the head of the NFLPA, he's bad at his job, period. So what has he done? He's stacked the cards against players like Roquan Smith because not only does he have to play through his four years, then he gets the fifth-year option, and the Bears have in their back pocket the franchise tag, which I think next year they're projecting should be around $19 So Roquan Smith isn't going to go anywhere, I don't think. Now, again, if someone comes here and offers a first and a third for Roquan Smith, Ryan Poles is going to pack his bags for him. That's that's the way that's going to be. But I think Roquan Smith is here. Tevin Jenkins, I think they dump him. You know, they they don't have him. He's not running with the ones. There's clearly something going on. One day we'll find out Brad Biggs or or someone's going to drop something at some point. We're going to sit there and be like, oh, that's what happened. But Tevin Jenkins, I think – one of those 6th round pick conditional fifth, if he plays and plays well, kind of a thing, I think they'll find a taker for him. Everyone's always looking for tackles. No doubt. The man's talented, especially in the run game. You know, he's a big body. He can mull. Um, I, I think someone's going to take a flyer on him and I think the bears are done with him. So that's my guess. How about you? I'm actually
1: leaning towards just based off of the latest that I, that I personally heard on the radio where, Rapaport referred to it as there is a small window for something to get resol- resolved. I-, I want that to be the case. I think Roquan is one of the three or four best at his position, if not better, in the league. And I just don't think you let 25-year-old blue-chip players walk out the door or trade it, trade them for no reason. But I'm actually leaning towards neither of them at this moment in time. Wow. I- obviously, I reserve the right to change my opinion, and this is all based off of what... Everything's very fluid. Information changes all the time, but I don't see a world at this moment in time,
0: or either of them are in the Chicago Bears uh, locker room next year. Bold statement there at Dan Meehan 90 on Twitter. Make sure you follow him destroy me. (laughs) Plenty of good content there, but yeah, check them out there. Check out the podcast throughout the year. Dan will be a, a big part of it as well as the whole crew. EJ Snyder, who we mentioned, JB Lester, the whole group. Robert Schmitz. We're all we'll all be there starting in September. Uh, uh, Dan, thanks for so much time. Looking forward to seeing uh, how Bears fans uh, embrace Matt Nagy and the positive reception he will get running out on the field against Can- you know Kansas City, Chicago coming up
1: yeah it's gonna be fun this weekend three, it, weeks, three to, games it, it, and it'll warm the back. and thanks for having me on and i just want to leave you with this if, listening to matt eberflus god he just needs to have football and just needs to be done with the media that guy is not cut out to be in front of a camera
0: <laughs> <laughs> there he is dan thanks for so much time we'll talk to you thanks bill there he is danny Meehan. everybody plenty of opinions and Plenty of concerns for the Chicago Bears team. Look, we got basically about a month before the first game of the season, plenty of time for some of these early injuries. For them to get healthy, plenty of time for more players to get hurt. Cross your fingers. That doesn't happen. But let's see how things develop here. You know, we still haven't seen a third cornerback emerge yet, but we haven't seen Thomas Graham out there either. So tough to see what's going on there. The inconsistencies of Eddie Jackson, the Roquan Smith holdout, the injuries to the wide receivers, the, in, the uh, question marks along the offensive line, question after question after question after question. But we've got a month to answer them. Let's see what happens. Looking forward to this Chiefs game. Looking forward to the preseason. God, that knows how it knows how much we love football and how desperate we are when you can say looking forward to the preseason. But exactly what I am. We'll see how things look against the Chiefs and we'll take it from there. We'll see you next time. Bear down, everybody.